Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello, everybody. I'm Brian Kemper, and welcome to Pro-Life is the New Punk Rock. Uh, I am the Youth Outreach Director of Priests for Life, uh, Staying True Pro-Life Outreach, which is the Youth Outreach of Priests for Life. And this is our new weekly podcast, Pro-Life is the New Punk Rock, where I'm going to be bringing you different people from around the pro-life movement, going from priests to atheists to lay people, everybody that's involved. The pro-life movement is such a diverse movement. And there's so many different aspects between politics and activism and education and all the different things. And when I first got my my start in the pro-life movement, I, I started in the rescue movement. I started uh, doing rescues back in California. But then as I started to get more active, uh, I wanted to do something a little different. People would have different conferences and different things like that. But I really wanted to reach a different crowd in the pro-life movement. Uh, or a different crowd in the world with the pro-life message. And one of the things that I first did was when I started an organization called Rock for Life, is I started to go to rock concerts and setting up a pro-life booth, trying to talk to people about abortion and such. And one of the most important parts of a pro-life booth at a concert or anywhere that we go is the materials that we put out, the educational materials, the literature and the different uh, pamphlets and such that we put out. And one of the first places that I went and did that was with Lollapalooza on tour in 1994. But uh, I've done that for, for decades now. And one of the organizations whose literature I've used the most over the years is the Human Life Alliance. And I am honored today to have Joe Langfield of the Human Life Alliance as my guest here on Pro-Life is the New Punk Rock. And Joe, you are definitely pretty punk rock there. <laughs> I look kind of like a middle-aged guy now, but yeah, in my I don't know. I'm thinking '60s beatnik with a long black. If, if that was a turtleneck, you know, uh, if it was, it's green though. It's St. Patrick's Day on the recording day, so uh, I'm a little bit. I got a little bit Irish in me, but yeah. If you go back to my younger days in the, uh, high school and the college, I was a lot edgier than I am today. <laughs> so, Joe, tell us. You know, uh, people know me. They know how I got my start in the pro-life movement. Um, the pro-life movement, you know, is not usually like, you know, when you're a little kid, that's your dream to grow up and and be a pro-life <laughs> activist and be hated and yelled at and spit on and all those things. What uh, what was it that really got you thinking that you wanted to dedicate your life to this movement? Well, you're going to love this one. Liberalism and democratic politics as a participant. Okay, now you're going to have to <laughs> expound on that, Joe, because... Yeah. Of, well, uh, you know, I grew up in a, a faith-filled family, and like any other young person, especially by the time I got to high school, uh, I was doing my best to go to youth group and be in those things, but I still had a, a lot of area to mature in. Um, so it was easy for me to see in my faith life that uh, helping people who were homeless, uh, uh, feeding people who couldn't who couldn't get food, and being in solidarity with solidarity with them was a simple way to act on my faith. And so I did that, and I I found it fulfilling. And when 
for myself, as I was active in those areas, I found myself in democratic politics. I grew up in Minnesota, so we don't really have a democratic party. They're called Democratic Farmer Labor Party, a merger of some parties in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. And so some real great grassroots people, farmers, workers, uh, good Christians, good Catholic folk, and things like that. Uh, so that's where I, I grew up in that. And uh, it was a natural kind of way to be involved in that side of the left side of politics. And as I was in the left-hand side of politics, I found out that I began speaking up more and more for a pro-life point of view. And they let me. Now, you worked for a pro-life Democrat, is that correct? Yeah, Jerry Sikorsky, who was a member on the Hill. And so a uh, great guy, but, you know, not too well, three years into working for him, I was doing some press outreach in his local office. And they told me that uh, he was going to flip-flop on abortion and become pro-choice. You know, I said, I'm not going to make that announcement. And so the quick story is I quit. I went home to my wife of six months and I said, I quit today, honey. And she said, what? And we knew why because he was no longer going to stand up for the dignity of all persons. You know, that's that's something that would make me quit a job, obviously. Now, I work in the pro-life movement, so that's not going to happen. But if I was working for a company, and uh, I guess even I could put it like uh, you knew me as a diehard Green Bay Packers fan for so many years. And when the Green Bay Packers decided that they were going to publicly fund Planned Parenthood, I became a Bears fan. Uh, and, uh, I went and met with, uh, one of the owners of the bears. He spoke at the March for life Chicago. And for me, it's like, I literally threw away hundreds of dollars of, of my jerseys and jackets and stuff, because I will not be affiliated with abortion. I will not be affiliated with child killing. And I'm not going to spend my money and, and put my time and, and, and join a team if they're supporting the killing of innocent children. And, uh, yeah, like I could see quitting a job, absolutely, because nothing is uh, nothing is more important than standing up for what's right. Yeah, I wouldn't call myself mature in the faith when I made that decision, but I knew enough to know what was right and what was wrong. And uh, I mean, I probably should have made him fire me instead of quit. That probably would have been the smarter thing to do. And maybe if I was older in a different place with several kids or something, I might have thought to justify it. But my response based probably based on my activity for the previous six years was this is wrong. I'm not going to do it. So in my world, from a faith point of view, it was simply a, a moment of grace. And now that's probably pre-social media, pre all of oh, that. Yeah. So because if it was me, I was thinking, gosh, I'd have gone out and just put out a whole bunch of pro-life tweets on his account. Just <laughs> Now imagine the pressure, though, of being a young fellow in his, in his early 20s, uh, working for a member of Congress, leaving and having every political party in the area and every political activist asking me to join their team. And, to, and it was horrible. As I met with people, my chief concern was now being pro-life. And for that member of Congress I worked for, uh, all but two on staff were pro-life when I joined that staff and three years later, only two of us were pro-life. So who you surround yourself with, what they believe and the circles that we keep, it matters. It helps form our opinion or destroys our good opinions and beliefs. So what a horrible thing. And I continue to see that. So got out of politics, raised a family, did those things and was in sales. And uh, I like to say jokingly, prayed a little bit too much one day had to tell the owner of the sales group that I'm leaving. And I didn't even know why I was leaving, but the, God had something else. And I found myself at Human Life Alliance 19 years ago. You know, it's it, it, we, we talk about this in church all the time, you know, that the, the, that 
the body of Christ is is kind of like a human body. You have the hand and the arm and the foot and the head and the eyes, and there's so many aspects of it. And and it's the same way in in the pro life movement. You know, and you are not like you haven't been like the Lila Rose or the Kristen Hawkins or the Father Frank Pavone or or that the per, or myself where we're out there we're putting ourselves in the spotlight. Now I'm not trying to put myself on the same level as Father Frank, obviously, but you know we purposely put ourselves out in the front lines and and out there trying to change hearts, trying to change lives, trying to change laws, trying to do that. But one of the only ways, like, like I said, in 1994, I got this opportunity. Um, I got a call from Perry Farrell from Jane's addiction and, and uh, Lollapalooza and Lollapalooza was not just a, a, a concert festival in Chicago back then. It was the first real traveling concert festival so to say it, it was city to city to city this huge concert festival and perry farrell had what he called the mind field m-i-n-d and he had all kinds of nonprofits. he had PETA, and he had planned parenthood and he had all these different groups there and he actually didn't like the fact that there were four pro-choice groups and no pro-life group and he had saw a commercial MTV. Kurt Loder had interviewed me about Rock for Life. And he saw that and invited us to go on this tour. And one of the most important things for someone like me who wanted to go set up booths and talk to young people and stuff is I could talk all day long, but I, had, I needed something to hand them. I needed something to hand them. I needed facts. I needed pictures. I needed all of that. And this is what Human Life Alliance is. You guys aren't out there making the infomercials. You're not out there passing the laws. You're not out there doing that. You are literally providing the resources for people like me to be able to go and educate the world about what abortion is. And I think that that, Joe, is one of the most important parts of this movement. I, I think that that you may not be out there on the front lines of everything, but you kind of are. You kind of are in a way because we're taking your materials out there on the front lines. It's a really interesting experience uh, from a work point of view. You know, my background is in politics, so I know how to give a great speech. I used to write speeches. Um, I, my background is also in the arts, so I love to be on stage and be in front of people and have that kind of recognition. And I remember once uh, I was actually in town a couple days before the March for Life, and they heard about at church that I was home and it was youth group night. And they're like, could you come and give a talk? So I gave a talk and uh, the kids were looking at me kind of funny, like, who are you? Why are you speaking? You're so-and-so's parents. Why are you even here talking to us? And I gave the exact same talk uh, the following weekend out in San Francisco to open up a youth conference. And I was a rock star. It was a great talk. So <laughs> it's, it's funny how location and place and time uh, can make one really exciting or just work. So right now, HLA is we serve the pro-life mission field. We used to say we change hearts and save lives. That was one of our slogans. But now as we've matured uh, with our roots going back into the 60s, we see that our materials really, they inform people. They give them great information on what it means to be pro-life and what our beliefs are. It inspires them once they know that truth. And then it involves them in their local pro-life cause or national pro-life causes. And so it makes a difference. And to date, we've had just over 235 million readers of our materials. Now, how did how did HLA get its start? 
what what was the what was the spark that uh, that created this organization? I'll try to be short here, but it's an important lesson. So uh, back in the 60s here in Minnesota, several pro-lifers, about 60 of them, saw what we knew would be Roe. Something like that would happen and would change the course of dignity of the humans in the United States. And they began lobbying here at the state legislature in Minnesota and a little bit out in Washington, D.C. Matter of fact, Joe Scheidler said to me once, when you go home, tell your board, thank you. I said, what for, Joe? He said, because when Roe happened, we all had to look to Minnesota because we were doing nothing. So wow. the founders are the founders of the first branch of national right to life. After, they, after Roe happened and they decided that uh, our work needed to be more than just political, but could be educational, as they would say back then. Um, you know, that's when the split happened and 57 of those 60 founders started Human Life Alliance and another mission. And out of us, I know uh, recently you had Brian Gibson on, they spun out of Human Life Alliance, Marianne Kuharski and the Pro-Life Across America group spun out of Human Life Alliance and more and more. Some of the first black pro-life activists came from Human Life Alliance, Irma Clardy Craven. So there's this great history at Human Life Alliance. And for, so for somebody like me, it's like standing on the shoulders of giants. It's a great privilege to learn their knowledge and pass it on. That's that's awesome. And, um, you know, I know for me, when I, like I said, that that's how I first started finding out about Human Life Alliance was through the through the the, the old newspaper style uh, brochures. And I can tell you, I have passed out and lifted and carried boxes and boxes to, to state after state after state. I've taken those to New Zealand. I've taken them to Australia. I've taken them all over the world. Um, and that's something that I is kind of cool, as you know, that there are people like me and Jeff White and different people like that who always order and Andy Moore, who who have taken your your brochures literally to the corners of the earth. Yeah, I mean, it's really fun. I mean, Brian, I remember the first time I saw you maybe just about 19 years ago and we were at a March for Life and I saw this guy leading these younger people at the march and they had piercings and tattoos and all kinds of different things so not like a good catholic boy giant mohawks and all that <laughs> yeah uh and you had some materials but you were doing the protest thing and all of a sudden it got a little out of control and i noticed there was a key figure there it was you and what you were doing is you were moving those kids immediately out of the danger and into a place where they could be and my first thought was I got to get to know this guy because look at that. Not only is he willing to rabble rouse and stand up for the truth, but he knows also how to protect the young people that are with him. And we don't always see that in our world. Sometimes young people do crazy things, but you were not just out there demonstrating. You were helping form them to become future leaders for the movement. I mean, how exciting. It was cool. It was great to meet you. <laughs> and that was, and that I'm going to give the credit to, to my mentor, Jeff White. Who, who has uh, led the survivors, which is probably one of your biggest uh, distributors of, oh, yeah. of, of, of literature. But part of it was because when I first got involved in rescue, I was the rabble rouser and Jeff had to lead me out of trouble and teach yeah. me how to stay out. I just have a hard time believing that about you, Brian. I, I, I would find a way to get arrested even when the rescuers weren't risking arrest. So. Well, that sounds like Jeff. Absolutely. And then, but it was funny is because Jeff, it was hilarious when I first got involved and in, in going some of the people first, there was a group that did not believe I was pro-life and did not believe I was a Christian because, you know, back in, in, 
in the late 80s and stuff, there were people that looked like me, but they weren't really on our side. I was one of the very few and first fully tattooed, pierced, you know, crazy hair pro-lifers. And I would go to events and people would either think, oh my gosh, this guy is, he's an infiltrator. He's this, he's that. But it, it was then all of a sudden, every time I'd show up at an event, none of the pro-life leaders could get any interviews because the media only went to me. <laughs> because they were like, who is this guy? You know, and, and it was it was quite funny at first. But you know, Brian, it, it or Joe, it takes it takes all all types of people in this movement, you know, from the very, you know, prim and proper Lila Rose types to the Judy Browns to people like me to Father Frank and Brian Gibson, and then you get Joe Shatley. There's such, you know, when you when you really think about when we all meet together in a room to talk about stuff. The diversity in those rooms is absolutely amazing of people that want to stop abortion, that want to bring an end to, to this slaughter of innocent children. Um, so when you got involved in Human Life Alliance, what was your first job there? What was the first thing that you brought to the table there? Fundraising. I was the development director, of course, because guess what? Uh, coming from politics and that kind of background in sales, fundraising is an obvious piece. So that was the entry into um full-time pro-life work, not just as an avocation, but now as a full-time vocation. So, and that quickly expanded to uh, the creativity that God has given me to say, oh, HLA had one publication at the time. She's a child, not a choice, you know, and it was a great piece, but. Oh, still, it, still my, one of my all-time favorite pieces. Yeah, but instantly then uh, using that creativity and us as a team together, now we have a dozen of those comprehensive pieces. And that's one of the things that makes HLA different. Yeah, we've got some little fact cards that are one pagers or rack cards and things like that. But what we do that's different than every other organization is we make these comprehensive pieces. They're trend right for students. You said, do I have some of them here? So like this is this year's uh, campus piece, Do I Matter? And it reflects what um, young people are experiencing on campus today. They're not a person. Through the COVID process, they're all alone. You know, so we do that. This is this year's um, Just for Girls, Just for Guys, the Teen Absence magazine. It's a flip magazine. So that's kind of fun. We do a number of those kind of things, and we update them every year. So people call us, and they say, oh, how much do they cost? And we tell people, oh, it costs us about 50 cents to make one of these 16-page magazines, and that's shipping, printing, staff time, overhead for the building, and all those things. But the reality is, is we're happy to give them away. So there's no reason every church shouldn't be using them. There's no reason every pro-life group shouldn't have some of them. The sidewalk counselors, the pregnancy centers use our street magazine, which is called This Is Not a Choice, which has a, This Is Not Your Only Choice, which has a different focus for young women who are pregnant as opposed to a general student population, as opposed to a church population. Um, it's all kinds of things, including up to and through uh, euthanasia and assisted suicide materials. And so it shares the truth with people and it informs us. So even people who are part of the choir don't often know what to say to others. And so if you read HLA piece, you're going to come away informed and ready to speak with some knowledge. And that's what's so important about it is anytime people talk about abortion, we win as long as we know what we're talking about. Now, I believe the 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 first time that I saw your your stuff is when I was with Call Collegians Activated to Liberate Life in Madison, Wisconsin. We yeah. always had 
cases full of HLA uh, material and such. And, and again, like the very first time I, when I first joined call, they're like, Oh, Brian, Hey, we need you to get a hold of HLA and get some more. She's a child, not a choice. And I'm like, well, do I need a check or something? Like she, she's like, no, just call them. And it blew my mind that you, you guys just shipped us this stuff. We, you knew we didn't have money, but you knew we were going to put it out there in people's hands. You knew we were going to make sure that people read this stuff. And that's all that mattered to you. And that blew my mind. And then when I started touring the festivals and such, you know, I, I, I think it, I even remember you guys would drop ship them. Like we would be halfway through a tour and run out and you'd make sure by the time we hit the next <laughs> festival, there were cases of literature for there for us to use. And that to me was amazing. You know, and I still, I did use Heritage House stuff and, and Heritage House often would front me stuff until I got through with the summer to make sure. But you guys would never, you always made sure there was never going to be a day that we didn't have something to hand someone if we were out doing pro-life activism. And I just think that that's an amazing part of the Human Life Alliance. And I know that you've even come out to like the International Pro-Life Youth Conference to make sure that every single young person there knows how they can get their hands on pro-life materials to hand out to their friends. Yeah, we just want them to learn the truth and be able to actively engage with their peers. So that street magazine I mentioned before, uh, it's really designed for sidewalk counseling. But even more and more on campuses today, young women are asking for that piece because it's easy to keep in a backpack. It's easy to keep in a purse. So pro-life young women are saying, I just need one or two of these in my purse for that moment when somebody comes up to me, a friend comes up and says, I think I might be pregnant. I don't know what to do. So even sometimes we're doing youth outreach when we have no intention of doing it. So that's that's just kind of in our bones. And I just remember uh, Rock for Life with you, with Eric Whittington and stuff, the amount of materials we were able to send to you and the work you were able to do uh, at these uh, Christian rock festivals were great. I had my son with me at one here in Minnesota uh, years Sunshine ago. Sunshine Fest? Sunshine, yeah. Yes, I've you know, been to so that one many after, times. After you had moved on and Eric was doing it, and on tough years, he'd say, can you guys just do Sunshine for us? Absolutely. So I brought my 15-year-old son out because he wanted to see all, all the groups. And he's yeah. standing with just a pile of them in, in, in the runway hallway where the kids are coming by and he's handing them out. And, you know, nobody wants to pick up stuff at these booths when they're going to see their favorite band. Who wants that? Who wants to carry junk? And uh, my son Daniel was saying, you want to take it? Pro-life information. Please take a magazine, pro-life information. And one kid said, hey, I'm already pro-life. I don't need your stuff. And my quick-witted, smart, intelligent, snappy son said, you're pro-life? What do you do about it? And it stopped that whole mob of kids. And they all took their information dutifully and went out. And then when we see kids all around festivals or on the streets, on campuses, their noses are buried in them. So the proof is in the pudding. They're <laughs> reading them. And then they communicate back to us what's been going on with them. The the, the responses are, uh, are great. And see, Joe, one of the things I love about your stuff is I know that you use young people when you develop it, you you don't just have a bunch of grandmas and grandpas, you know, in there writing a few things that, and it's something that it's important because it was Judy Brown, Judy Brown back in, oh gosh, this was in the in the in the uh, mid mid nineties. Judy Brown and her daughter Kathy called me up, and they asked us they they asked uh, me to come out to Virginia to talk to them about their youth outreach, and this is before Rock for Life joined American Life League. 
And they were like, well, here, Brian, here's our magazine, Celebrate Life. And in the middle of it, we have our youth page. What do you think? And the first thing I said to him was I said, don't. <laughs> don't send the youth stuff as a center page of the parents' magazine. I said, if you want to create something for youth, create something for them. That's for them, of them, by with all of that. Don't just make it an afterthought in their No kid, no teenager wants to read one little page in their grandparents' magazine. Like, that's not. And that's when she first developed Why Life, Mag like a, a youth publication. And I think that that's what's important is it's not just something, you know, that grandma shows you in her thing. It's like we need to create a pro-life movement that young people can take ownership of. And that's really what Rock for Life was, yep. was I wanted the kids that I knew, the, the young people that I knew and I hung out with, the young Christians that were that were radical and want to get out there and, and, and spread the word. And when we grasped the pro-life message, when when I looked at that film the silent scream or uh, uh um not the silent scream the uh the one with the kemper crab song uh kemper crab song the bened benediction it's the one with all the rescue footage anyway i can't believe i'm having such a a brain fart i'm getting old. Uh, we're old now yeah anyway you know the american heritage films the the first the one with all the graphic image you know what i'm talking about i literally cannot believe i don't I, I'm forgetting the name. Of the uh, put it in in post-production. Yes. No. Anyway, it's the very first one. It shows rescues. It shows the babies in the womb. It shows them dying. Uh, the hard truth. The hard truth. Hard That's truth. what it was. Yeah. The hard truth. Anyway, I'm embarrassed. I'm going to get I'm going to get mocked for that one anyway. But when I first saw that, it, it was like what your son said. I, I knew I was pro-life. But I wasn't doing anything about it. I had a sticker on my my scooter. I wore a shirt, you know. I I, I had been in, informed. I, I had had this epiphany moment when I went and saw the band The Crucified and all this stuff, but I wasn't actively doing something about it. And that's that's what's important. And one of the things that Human Life Alliance it does is make sure that people like me, when they reach that moment in their life, when they when they get that aha moment and realize they have to go out and do something that we're able to do it. Whether we have a penny in our pocket or not, you guys are going to make sure that we're equipped to do that work. And I think that that's important. So we have about four or five minutes left. So I'm going to have you close us in prayer in about three minutes. But for three okay. minutes, I want you to tell young people or tell the adults that are watching how people can get a hold of your materials, how they can get involved maybe in your surveys when you're putting the things any way that people can get involved. And maybe there's some young people in Minnesota in the Minneapolis area that can come in and intern or do some stuff. Tell them how they can get involved with Human Life Alliance. And get well, you know, the easiest way for people to even think about that is go to humanlife.org, our website. I see it. I'm trying not to look at the monitor here, but I see it scrolling on the screen. Uh, and if they go there and click on the publications tab, they can see the dozen publications that we have active right now that are available to ship. And it's everywhere from a comic book to the student pieces, to the She's a Child, Not a Choice, and its most recent rendition, which are great for churches, all the way through Imposed Death, which is on euthanasia and assisted suicide. They're, they're scrolling through all of those. They're available for you. When you click on them, 
It'll ask for that 50 cents donation, but your only other option in the ordering process is to click on the toggle button and it'll toggle down to zero. If you wanna make a donation, you can add that in, but if not, our work is to get you the materials that can help enlighten people to the humanity of the preborn child, gruesome realities of abortion, and the dignity of all people. Most of our material is secular, so you don't always see that Christian message in there, but we know that all people are made in the image and likeness of God, right? So they can find us at humanlife.org, call our office at 651-484-1040. The student pieces are online in many different places, and we have what are called flip magazines through a group called Issue, which is the electronic publisher for almost every magazine in the country. And you can go to our site, click on it. And if you click on the issue piece, it'll pop up and expand on the screen. And then you can click right on if you want to share it with kids via another uh, social media format or those kind of things, or just send them a link, those kind of things. Um, studentmag.org and uh, j4gmagazine.com are the two student pieces that also connect for that. And then we'll be bringing some other material online and other opp opportunities to reach out to young people on their phones, even around social media this year, because the social media giants are just stopping us. You know, search Human Life Alliance at Facebook. Uh, Instagram, all, Twitter, all those places, and you'll see our pages. And I know you told me you're going to be joining us on TikTok pretty soon. Yeah, I don't want to be the TikTok guy, so I hope this 55-year-old is not the TikTok guy get, dancing around, but I'll have a new staff member coming on who will be doing that. Show if you're dancing on TikTok, I might quit TikTok. Oh, it's great. I mean, <laughs> think of how awesome that would be. I remember at uh, one of the International Pro-Life Youth Conferences in L.A. where they said, Mr. Langfeld, will you lead us in our dance contest? I'm like, I will. <laughs> then it wasn't so funny. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, Joe, I am so excited that you were be able to join us today. I hope people will contact Human Life Alliance, humanlife.org, humanlife.org. It's very important. And get some materials. Even if you just pick a few right now to read through and look through, present them to your, if you're a young person, present them to your youth pastor, to your pastor. If you're at college, present them to people that might want to, to order some and let them know it's not going to cost any, any money. Yes, make a donation if you can. But if you want to put these materials at your church, your school, wherever, contact Human Life Alliance, and they're going to help you out. The She's the She's a Child, Not a Choice, one of my favorites of all time. But they're all great. And I know even I one of the things I love is even like secular groups use your stuff. Secular pro-life groups even use your stuff. And I, I know some of those people. So it's it's something that anybody can use. The great thing about the pro-life world, right? We're all working together, even though we come from many different walks of life, many different situations, and somehow we're moving forward to defeat Roe, to abolish abortion, and to make the dignity of each person recognized in all cultures around the world. Absolutely. All right, Joe, go ahead and give us a, close us in prayer, please. Okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time together. I ask that you bless Brian and his work, uh, the expansion of the movement, uh, his particular heart for pro-life youth and the youth that are pro-life. Lord, we lift them up to you. We know that only you can intercede in somebody's life. We know that only your Holy Spirit can divide joint and marrow and get in and share the truth. So we ask that you would break open the hardness of people's hearts. Author of life, author of faith, go in there and work in them to help them see the truth. Bring an end to abortion in our time, now, Lord, not sometime in the future. Uh, give us wisdom and strength to stand up for you and your gospel, and let even our pro-life work be a pre-evangelization work that moves people to a life in you and your spirit. We pray this all in Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Joe, thank you for being with us. Um, I have to obviously plug my new book, Pro-Life is the New Punk Rock. Joe, I think you have a copy of this. It's right here. It's on my oh, desk. So and we didn't even plan that. And we didn't even plan that. But ProLifeProducts.org, get your copy of Pro-Life is the New Punk Rock. Joe, thank you so much. We'll have you on again. And I will hopefully see you sometime soon this summer uh, celebrating the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Oh, your mouth to God's ears. Very exciting Amen. time. Amen. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining me on Pro-Life is the New Punk Rock. I'm Brian Kemper. We'll see you next week. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.